we've had the opportunity to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a match. Oh boy, here we go! Are you kidding me? Out of the gates, this is not happening! By the way, what title would you like? Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I ain't like a pig! Humber, you are a pig. Oh. I almost forgot. That's why they call me Thumper. You're listening to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is David Dollar, and thank you so much for joining us on the Magic on a Dollar podcast, episode number 47. We are 47 episodes into this little excursion into magic and conversations and Disney and all that fun stuff, and uh, got a great show for you coming up. We've got some Disney news going on. We'll talk about some Epcot rumors. The Food and Wine Festival is coming up as well. And got a got a movie review for you. We will be talking about Dumbo and uh, some Disney history. And I know we've kind of gotten away from Disney history in the last couple of weeks, but we're going to kind of get back to it this week. But first, top of the show, uh, as I always do, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for telling a friend. I see all of that happening. Our numbers are beginning to climb a little bit here and there. It's better than they were, which is great. But uh, tell a friend about the show. We'd love for you to, to share the show with other people. Go online, Facebook. You'll find me at Magic on a Dollar and at Disney on a Dollar. Find me on Instagram at Magic on a Dollar. And find me on Twitter at Magic on a Dollar. Of course, you can also email the show, Magic on a Dollar Podcast at gmail.com. I am, of course, your favorite Disney Travel Planner, and I would love to help you plan your Disney trip. I've got two big things coming up. In a month or so, I get to go not only to Disneyland for the weekend, I also get to go to Disney World, which in effect is Orlando. I will be at Disney World. I don't really get to go in the park very much. If you listen back to episode number 41, uh, we did the Magic Kingdom's Good, Bad, Magical. It featured Terry Weaver, a good friend of mine, a podcaster, author, speaker extraordinaire. And he was talking about his conference that he's doing called The Thing. It's coming up at the second weekend in May, and I'll be a part of that. I get to go to that down in Orlando, and I invite you to come over and uh, go to the show notes, magicaldollar.com slash podcast, and you can actually see the show notes there and click on the information there. But I will be at that conference. But the first night of that conference, I get to go uh, to the Magic Kingdom. I get to do the After Hours event, so I get to be up there for the After Hours event. Uh, They basically open the park uh, for three hours to a very, very limited amount of people, Uh, and it's a special ticketed event. It's like 130 bucks for a ticket, so I paid the price. But every, just about every ride is open. Uh, Hall of Presidents, some few things like that are not going to be open, but otherwise everything's going to be open. And I get to go from ride to ride to ride and ride as much as possible. And it's going to be cool. And I'm looking forward to riding just about everything I possibly can in three hours, cramming as much as I can in there. So I get to do that. But that's actually after the other thing I get to do, which is in May. On May the 5th, on Sunday, I get to go and do the Parkeology Challenge at Disneyland. And what does that even mean? Parkeology is a website, parkeology.com. Go there, and you can actually see uh, kind of what they do. And really, it's just a couple of guys that kind of put this thing together called the challenge. And the challenge is to ride every open attraction in one day. And I would say at Disney World, even though there's only 49 attractions versus Disneyland because there's 53, I think it'd be harder at Disney World because you have to cover four parks. Disneyland, you can cover two parks. You can walk back and forth. But still, riding all of them in one day is a very tricky thing. You can't uh, you can't actually get any help from cast members. You can't – I mean, you could tell people you're in a race if you want, but you can't accept their help if they say, hey, well, why don't you come on ahead of us? You can't do that. Uh, you can't take special fast passes. No special thing that wouldn't be uh, afforded to regular guests – 
uh, you can't do any of that. And if you go in there and let's just say it's 10 o'clock in the morning and you're seven rides in, eight rides in, you're doing pretty well, and a ride you were going to go ride shuts down, it was if it was open at the beginning of the day and it closes even through the rest of the day and you have no chance to ride it, then you fail. Like, you can't do it. It, it. The list is gone. You have to get every ride. Everything has to work out perfectly. I'm doing it. My friend Joey, who's also a Disney travel planner, his uh, his his Twitter is at MouseHost. Go, go and follow him, at MouseHost. Uh, and we're going to be doing that together, and it's going to be really exciting. You'll be hearing more about that in the upcoming weeks. But that's a little bit of what's going on with me. It's some stuff I have coming up. I do lead a very blessed life, very charmed life, and I'm very excited to be able to do that. But I'm also very excited to be able to tell you guys some Disney news. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. Got several news items here for you. We'll just kind of knock them out one by one. The Mer- Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party tickets are out. They are available, and uh, they are, are on sale now. You can actually reserve your ticket. Uh, for the uninitiated, the Christmas party is a special event. It's a special ticketed event, so you do have to pay an extra price for it. Starts at 7 p.m., runs till midnight, and it's got it's got awesome fireworks. There's characters out, all in their holiday garb, which is kind of funny. You see costumed characters actually in costume. Uh, they give away free, free hot chocolate and free cookies all throughout the park. Uh, you can hit the attractions with a much lower crowd. Now, please notice I did not say empty crowd. There is a crowd there. A lot of times it can be very busy. If they sell the party out, it can be pretty busy. I've been to a couple of them where there was hardly anybody there. You could walk on nearly every attraction. I've been to one that was just Honestly, it was kind of miserable because it was so many people there and we really couldn't do a lot and there's there's so many things going on, especially with meet and greets. You want to get to everything and you just can't. I got to meet the Seven Dwarves all at one time. They're all out there together. The only time they come out together is this event and the Halloween event other than some special event that may be happening. So there's that. Uh, Jack and Sally are out from the night before Christmas. They're out doing their thing as well. And and uh, you can actually go, if you want to go to magicondollar.com, you can scroll down and you can see 2019's Very Merry Christmas Party event link. Click there and it gives you all the information you need, uh, all the dates. There are different prices on different purchase tickets, so... You know, you kind of have to look at that. A uh, question I get a lot is, do I need to buy them now? And is the party worth it? And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I think we'll kind of put that off for another episode. We'll talk about the Christmas party. But the Christmas party tickets are out. The 2019 Epcot International Food and Wine Festival has also been announced. The dates are August 29th through November 23rd, 87 days of this particular festival. Uh, the Eat to the Beat concert series will come back. Uh, will be out there as well. Um, it'll have lineup of pop, rock, R&B, country, Christian artists, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's all going to be happening. At the end of the series, the Candlelight Processional will be coming back, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on. The, the, the Basically, there's if you've never been, and I know a lot of you know what this is, but if you've never been, they essentially have all 11 World Showcase pavilions plus extra countries come in and set up kiosks, and there's essentially food and wine all throughout the parks. It is extra, so don't think you just get this free buffet. It's not, but you can go through each park. You know, and in addition to the countries, Norway and China and Germany and France, you can also go through and get stuff from, you know, in, in, in years past, uh, Puerto Rico and Russia and Australia. They have a Florida pavilion, a Hawaii pavilion. They've started branching out in the last couple of years and doing other non-traditional things. They have a honeybee uh, pavilion, which is like everything is honey-based, which is really good. They have a chocolate pavilion and one for barbecue, and they have one for cheese. And I mean, I, I can eat a lot of food there. I have eaten a lot of food there over the time, and it's it's pretty fantastic. It really, really is. 
Something a little interesting here. This is another example of, I mean, do you say that it's Disney nickel and diming its clients, its guests? I don't know. But they're going to charge a $6 handling fee per order for all in-room deliveries. Now, what this means is before, previously, until now, you could order something like you know Instacart, Amazon Prime, or GuardGrocers.com. You could call those places, order from those places. They would deliver them to the resort, go up and get your food. Well, now there's going to be a $6 handling fee for all of these deliveries. Okay, Now, if you go to the front desk and meet the person delivering it, no big deal. Uh, but if you get mail uh, during your vacation, a letter or a package or whatever, if let's just say I send you something, just understand there is a $6 handling fee that will apply to all packages. It was a $5 fee, but now it's a $6 fee for packages and groceries. Uh, it's not per bag. It is per order. I mean, is it a fair fee? I don't know. But it's one of those things where a lot of hotels do this. It's so I can't tell you yes or no if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It is what it is. And uh, anyway, just expect to have that 6 bucks out if you need to go and uh, pick up a package for the front desk. Okay, this is super cool. Of course, the Disney Plus series, uh, Disney Plus streaming service is coming out later on this year. I'm going to get it. I think everybody should get it because it's going to be awesome. There's so much stuff coming to that. And as we get closer to time, we may devote an entire episode to Disney Plus and the streaming service to see what's on there. Disney Plus is not paying me anything to say that. It just looks really cool. But they're going to be coming out with a brand new Monsters, Inc. series. John Goodman, Billy Crystal, John Ratzenberger, Jennifer Tilly, Bob Preston as Ra- Bob, I'm sorry, Bob Peterson as Roz. They're all coming back to be in Monsters at Work. It's an animated series set six months after the original movie, and we'll have the entire voice cast back. Uh, there will be some new characters in the animated series. A guy named Tyler, voiced by Ben Feldman. He is an eager and talented young mechanic at the Monsters, Inc. facility team. Uh, and also his lifelong friend and confidant, Val Little, voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, who you may know as as Rose Tico from the Star Wars films. Alana Yubak is in this. Aisha Tyler will be in this. Stephen Stanton. Uh, Louis Neff. Henry, Henry Winkler. The Fonz is going to be Fritz. So it's going to be really cool. Another reason to get the Disney Plus plus streaming service. And finally, a little bit more news here. Just uh, It's not really a slow news week, but everything is just so kind of varied and random. So here you go. Jesse's Critter Carousel opening up uh, has opened, actually, at Pixar Pier in California Adventure. It's the reimagined land. It used to be called Paradise Pier. Now it's called Pixar Pier. And Jesse's Critter Carousel has opened up. It's uh, you can uh, Disney says, mosey on over to a giant toy carousel starring Jesse, the yodeling cowgirl, and a friendly bunch of desert critters for a rootin' tootin' romp. Inspired by the Toy Story film, settle up on a whimsical snake, an armadillo, a turtle, a bunny, and more from the world of Woody's Roundup. This newly imagined attraction will have you yelling, giddy up. So it's over there in the Pixar Pier area. It's the car- Basically, they're taking the carousel, they revamped it, reimagined it to Pixar, and now it's open. I look forward to being one of the 53 attractions I ride in uh, the Parkeology Challenge when I do it in May. And I just said that was the last news piece. However, I just came across some breaking news. <laughs> Just discovered this as I was recording. Illuminations, Reflections of Earth on Epcot has an ending date. We knew that Illuminations was going to end sometime this year. It was announced last year that they would replace it with a new fireworks show that would last a little while until they have a new show uh, sometime in the following year. Well, September 30th, 2019 is the last performance of Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. That, of course, is the Epcot Uh, The Epcot Fireworks Show, which I particularly love. I love that show, and I hate to see it ending. I actually, I was in a Disney World a few weeks ago, as you know, and and I didn't get a chance to see it. I I, I should have made a better better effort to see it, but I didn't, and I'm going to kind of feel guilty for that because I don't know that I'll get back to see the show in Epcot, but uh, I love Illuminations, and matter of fact, um, 
I kind of want to do something. I've been wanting to do something on the show for a while. I want to kind of do like a like a Sounds of Disney little segment. Just during the show, during each show, just to kind of give you a minute of just Disney, of something Disney-wise. And I thought, what better way to do it, to introduce that, than to do some illuminations. So here's the first minute, minute and a half of illuminations. You hear the narration. Set the scene. You're at World Showcase. You're looking out upon the water with all the pavilions in front of you and a big semicircle, huge, huge semicircle around you. There are torches all the way around. All the other light is dimmed except for the torches. And you hear the narration come on. And as you hear the uh, the whoo, all the lights go out, you hear the drum beat, and then the fireworks start. And that's what you're about to hear. Here's the first minute or so of Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. We welcome all of you to Epcot and World Showcase. We're gathered here tonight around the fire as people of all lands have gathered for thousands and thousands of years before us to share the light and to share a story. An amazing story, as old as time itself, but still being written. And though each of us has our own individual stories to tell, a true adventure emerges when we bring them all together as one. We hope you enjoy our story tonight. Reflections of Earth. love that show and I am going to miss it and uh, so that's your news, your breaking news there as I came across it at the last second and uh, let's get to some rumors how about that alright so let's talk a few Epcot rumors now I want to stress these are rumors okay rumors, I'm finding these on a few websites but I'm, I'm telling you right now they're rumors They none of these may ever come true none of these may ever come true but it's kind of fun to talk about them because it's kind of fun to imagine I love imagining these things that maybe these things could happen I don't know uh, now some of these things I don't want to happen so we'll kind of talk through this real quick but some of the some of the rumors I'm hearing about Epcot is they're going to remove the Fountain of Nations which is right there in the middle and Penn Central now I'm a pin collector I love the pins and Epcot is a great place to have pins right there in the middle of, of Epcot they have this little kiosk little area here we can go get the pins and stuff and I'm fine with moving that that's okay let's move it I like the fountains, the dancing fountains. They dance to the music. It's pretty cool. So according to the rumors, that will be all taken out. Okay, they're going to put this huge courtyard kind of walking area in there. Uh, they'll leave Electric Umbrella and Mouse Gear, which is the, the restaurant and the kind of service restaurant and also the, uh, uh, the food service area. So leave that. As you walk through Electric Umbrella, you'll go over to the Guards, Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. They'll have a play pavilion coming over, over there as well. So in that area, they will be putting an Epcot garden area accompanied by a permanent beer garden. Now, I'm not a drinker. I, I can't tell you what a beer garden is or what a beer garden does. But for those of you in the know, you may be excited about this. Oh, it's a beer garden. I have no clue. Do they grow beer there? Is it a hops field? I have no idea. You just go there and 
stand amongst the flowers and drink uh, drink some pale ale. No idea. But they will also be doing the Starbucks. And the Starbucks right now is kind of as you're walking in, you go past Spaceship Earth, up the hill. There's the Penn Central. Starbucks is over in the corner attached to a different building. They're actually looking at doing a standalone Starbucks by itself. They'll be doing some character meet-and-greet areas too, which is good because – Basically, where you meet character spot, the character spot where you meet Mickey and the gang, and uh, they have Baymax and the Inside Out characters in their meet and greets, you kind of walk and you're in an area that is attached to another building, and you can tell that's been repurposed to something else. And so, you know, when you walk in, you see the decorations, you see the character spot and everything. There's a lot of room back there that there's nothing or it, it was something else, and they've kind of just repurposed it just for a, a temporary solution. So I am excited about maybe having a new home, a new, more properly themed home for Mickey and the gang, and something better. Better for the Inside Out characters and Baymax or whatever characters they may do. Something they could change out the things based on the characters, but just do something permanent for characters, not just throw up some backgrounds, whatever, and just at the corner of a building. So I'm hoping that's I'm hoping that's true. Now, the articles I'm reading, again, you have to understand these are all rumors, but I'm predicting. I am predicting, and I've predicted it before, and I'm going to go back to it again. You'll hear this. You'll hear these things at the D23 coming up in August, uh, July or August sometime this year. And also, you will be hearing uh, that they will be announcing two new pavilions at Epcot. I'm predicting two. Two new pavilions. I'm predicting Brazil. And I'm going to go with Greece. I may change that to Australia or Spain, but I'm going to say Brazil and, 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 and Greece right now. And, of course, there is the rumor that they will close down Spaceship Earth. You will not be able to go into the ride, and they will refurbish the entire thing. So, again, all rumors, but it is kind of fun to dream about it, isn't it? Alrighty, so let's talk a little bit of Disney history. we got three items here for the week, and they're all celebrating anniversaries this week. And the first, right off the top, is Animal Kingdom Lodge. April 16th, 2001, Animal Kingdom Lodge opened up uh, over at uh, on Osceola Parkway. It's a six-story resort designed by renowned architect Peter Dominic with deluxe facilities, luxury suites. It's got the feel of a South African game reserve lodge. Around 33 acres, got a wildlife preserve there in the middle. Uh, guests can go there, and they can look upon the animals right there in the middle of the uh, middle of Animal Kingdom. Kingdom Lodge. They've got like a like a savanna, basically. Um, they basically are specially built for Animal Kingdom Lodge to hold some animals, gazelles and giraffes and things like that. Now, not all views are savanna views. You do pay extra for those, as as you would expect, because it's Disney. One of my favorite client comments ever was uh, I sent a client, the Deering family, actually, on vacation, and he texted me with a picture and said, I went outside to get my coffee this morning, and there was a giraffe at my balcony well played, Mr. Dollar. Well played. One of my favorite comments ever. So that was in 2001. Let's take you all the way back to 1983. On April 15, 1983, Tokyo Disneyland opened up in Japan. Disney's fourth theme park, of course, outside of Disneyland, and at the time, Magic Kingdom and Epcot, then Tokyo Disney. Uh, rain came across the opening ceremony, but they were able to do it anyway. Uh, they're on the, the World Bazaar, which is their equivalent of the Main Street USA. Uh, Space Mountain is there. It's basically the same one as California. Uh, the Coca-Cola Company of Japan sponsored D- Tokyo Disneyland. It's the first Space Mountain to open with the park itself. Located in a town just outside of Tokyo that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try to. The park was operated by the Oriental Land Company under license from Disney, consisting of a whole lot of rides and attractions. I don't know a lot about Tokyo Disney, so some of the stuff I just said maybe have changed. I don't know that the Oriental Land Company is still working on it. I don't know, but but that's the history of Tokyo Disneyland opening up this week in 1983. Here's the one I want to get to, though. Uh, April 12th, 1992, the Euro Disney Resort Park with Euro Disneyland opened up in France, east of Paris. Uh, they had an inaugural ceremony broadcasting to the entire continent by five national networks. 
Okay, so let me give you a little backstory on Euro Disney. Um, I think we'll go into this maybe a little further uh, down the road. Maybe do a little little segment on this. Maybe I can find somebody who's more versed in this. But I'm going to pull from one of my favorite books, Disney War, written by James Stewart, which is about the rise and fall of Michael Eisner. And the reason I put stock into this book is because I've never heard him dispute it. I've never heard Eisner. And this book is not friendly to Eisner in a lot of ways. I've never heard him say anything other than, the book is there. So he's never come out and talked about how bad the book was or whatever. So I tend to believe what's in the book. Michael Eisner wanted to open a Disneyland park in France. He wanted Paris, the the, the romance of Paris, the, the wonder and the beauty and the history of Paris, France. Well, Paris, France was very kind of resistant to that. And Spain, I believe it was Barcelona, they wanted Disney. They were like, we'll do everything you want. And they were throwing all kinds of incentives and all kinds of benefits and perks and things. Hey, come here. We want you to come to our, uh, uh, to our land. Michael Eisner refused. He wanted Paris. He wanted a Disneyland park in Paris. So they did all the research, they did everything they needed to do to build the park and everything. It was kind of a troubled build. And uh, the first uh, the first day, actually, 500,000 visitors, visitors were expected. 50,000 showed up. So basically, they were 450,000 visitors off the mark. The French people were protesting. They were afraid that Disney was going to ruin their culture. They were afraid that things were going to happen. They didn't want this big conglomerate park to come in that area. Uh, French citizens were were vandalizing the power cables, so the road signs blacked out, so people couldn't find Disneyland. Um, it was just a big mess. And over the course of the year or so, the next year to two years, they lost a ton of money. And Eisner could not figure out what was wrong with this. And what they realized was they had done research mostly on American tourist habits. What do Americans do when they tour? They had not done the real proper research on European habits and particularly French touring habits. When the French vacation, they vacation very differently than the Americans do in a lot of ways. And of course, Eisner was very upset about this, and and it's just it's it was a big mess. Now it eventually turned a profit. They changed the name to Disneyland Paris. Uh, I've never been there. I do want to go there only because it's a theme park that I've never been to. Uh, I've not ever had the illusion of Paris, France. It's never been something that I look at. And I'm like, oh, I want to go to Paris so bad. And my wife is this. She loves Paris. She loves France. She thinks it's wonderful. And she wants to go just so badly. And I'm like. Eh, I'd go to the park to say I've been there, but yeah, whatever. So, little history there for Disneyland Paris opening up this week in April twelfth, nineteen ninety two. So let's let's end this show here with a quick movie review, some Dumbo action here for you. Uh, the movie came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was not able to see it last week, and being on being gone to Orlando in the Magic Kingdom and thereabouts. So the movie came, and I got to watch it this past week, and. It starts out, it's it's a live-action Dumbo. So I will tell you, when I heard that live-action Dumbo was coming to theaters, I was a little worried about this. A little like, okay, what are they going to do with Dumbo? However, having seen part of Christopher Robin, where they made live-action Pooh, it was great. They're, they're doing some great things with these live-action films. They really, really are. Um, I enjoyed Cinderella. I enjoyed Beauty and the Beast. I'm looking forward to Aladdin. I'm looking forward to Lion King coming out, which is going to be pretty cool. The new trailer just dropped today, which is awesome. So when I heard that Dumbo was coming out, I was like, okay, this will, okay, this might be interesting. I heard that Tim Burton was directing. I was a little, little more reserved. I thought, okay, well, all righty then. We'll, we'll see what happens. Tim, Tim Burton is one of those directors who is very hit and miss for me. Uh, Tim Burton has really done a lot of things that I enjoy. He did Beetlejuice back in 1988. He did the original Batman. Uh, he did Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood, which is some legendary stuff. He also did Planet of the Apes, not the one from a couple of years ago with James Franco, which was awesome. The uh, the 2001 version, which was not 
very good at all. He did Batman Returns, which I don't care. I'm not a fan of that one. He did uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Sweetie Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, both which I don't consider very good movies. Um, and he did he did all he did Big Eyes a couple of years ago, which I liked. I really liked it because it had Amy Adams in it more than anything else. But here he is as a director with Dumbo. Now, the movie starts out with a guy named Holt Farrier that's played by Colin Farrell. He's returning home from the war. His wife has passed on, and he is left with his two children uh, that he is returning to, an older daughter and a younger son. And they're all in the, the circus troupe under Max Medici, uh, played by Danny DeVito, who runs the Medici Brothers Circus, which there's actually only one of them, so there's no brothers there. And so they're, they're getting along there, and Holt finds out his job is in danger. They had to give away the horses. He's kind of a, a horse wrangler guy who does the tricks and stuff like that. Well, they find out the horses have been sold because the circus is losing money, and so Max had to do whatever he had to do. So he had to let some people go, and with, with Colin Farrell, with, with Holt, he's given the job of elephant wrangler. And Jumbo has come in, and Jumbo has been purchased from another circus, another place, and Jumbo is going to have a baby. And a little nod to the original movie there, there is a stork. Of course, you, if you remember the original Dumbo, stork came in, delivered all the babies, uh, delivered all the elephant babies, including including Dumbo. Well, the stork appears there, and it's just a kind of a random on-screen appearance. You know, she gives birth to this uh, this little elephant who has these big floppy ears and looks like a freak, and they don't know what to do with him, and he looks, he looks like he's broken, can't be fixed. Well, of course, the kids discover that Dumbo can fly uh, through kind of an accident or whatever. They figure out he can fly, and they also figure out that he has to have a feather to do so. Well, they, they tell the dad, they tell Max, and Dumbo is introduced into the circus and to, to rave reviews because you have a flying elephant. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Max uh, ends up meeting up with a guy named V.A. Vandeveer, played by Michael Keaton. And V.A. is kind of the villain of the story. He's the, the snake oil salesman, the slick businessman who owns this massive theme park called Dreamland. And there's all these rides and coasters and Ferris wheels and just there's a circus right in the middle of it. So they buy the whole – he buys the whole entire troupe, hires them all on, and brings them all on to perform there in his big Dreamland circus thing. And so Dumbo, of course, goes there and, and so on. And, and if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to ruin the movie for you. I'm afraid I may have told you too much, but – you, know, you can kind of get it from there. There's some Easter eggs in this film, which is kind of fun. Casey Jr., the train is there, and it's a big smile on the train of the face. It actually says uh, Casey Jr. on it. And uh, at one scene, Danny DeVito, Max, is kind of walking around, and he's kind of humming the tunes to to, uh, to Casey Jr. running down the tracks, which is kind of fun. Uh, the mouse, Timothy J. Mouse, is running around there. You do see him. He's never identified as Timothy J. Mouse, but he is there. The Pink Elves on, on Parade, which is a big... Uh, Big sequence in the original film because Dumbo's, you know, drunk. Uh, Dumbo and Timothy both get drunk. Well, this one doesn't happen that way that because I don't think they want to show a drunk elephant in a in a movie like this for kids. Uh, not now today's part. So what they do is they use um, they use this bubble sequences and Dumbo's watching the circus. And in the movie itself, there's people using like big bubble wands and this bubbles floating up and they're all forming into elephants and and they're all making making elephant shapes and it looks like pink elephants which is it's kind of fun there so that's kind of a little easter egg as well uh, of course the feather i mentioned there so there's all kinds of little easter eggs and all little little things all throughout now as far as the movie goes i have like i like the movie dumbo it's not a movie that i go back to over and over i've seen the movie once or twice i thought it was good i thought it was fine i don't hate it i mean i, I enjoy the movie but it's not one of my favorite movies i don't list that as my top 10 favorites that's not one that if it's on tv i'm going to go to every time 
you know, it is what it is. It's a fun little movie uh, with some some fun parts and some fun songs. Have you ever seen Elephant Fly? Is a great song, even though it's sung by crows. <laughs> when you see the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, and so you know, figure out that as you will. But the movie overall is good. Uh, it's a very Tim Burton-y kind of, of direction. It, you know, if you're familiar with his work, like Beetlejuice or the original Batman, it has kind of a noir style to it. I mean, the movie takes place sometime in the early part of the, uh, the, the 20th century. I mean, he's just coming back from the war, and so there's that uh, the movie overall is it's good it's good I think it's good for families I think it's good for for people I think it's good to see once this is not a movie I'm going to go back to over and over uh, the CGI is great Dumbo is incredible uh, I love the character of Dumbo in here just how he looks he's just so adorable and cute and fun and the acting is good. The cast is good. I like Colin Farrell. I really like Michael Keaton. I think he's an American treasure. Eva Green plays Colette. She's kind of the ingenue later on in the film, and she's kind of the trapeze star that has to play, has to perform with Dumbo. And she's good. I think she's great as well. If I had an acting, uh, an acting criticism, the 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 oldest daughter, I I don't think she gave a very good performance. Let me just say that she's a kid, so I don't want to be like she's awful. She's terrible. She's just. I don't think this movie was her thing because she sounds like she's reading off a cue card in every single line she gives. That's how I took it. But overall, the movie was good. I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad they made it. I'm glad that I saw it. I hope it does well. I hope it continues to do well. And I don't know what Disney's going to keep doing with a live action. Eventually, they're going to run out of live action. Uh, stuff to do. I mean, I've got, I guess they got 50. I guess, you know, eventually we'll get to making live action Home on the Range and live action Bolt and maybe a live action Chicken Little. Maybe that's coming down the pike. I don't know. But, but it's good. I think if you haven't seen it and you're a Disney fan, you should go see it. Look for the Easter eggs. There is a great little scene as they're going into Dreamland, as they're going into the circus tent, and Dumbo's about to perform they have a lot a big stack of plush dumbo elephants off to the side which i thought was hilarious that was really really funny to me i, I just they kept showing it and i just kind of cracked up every time i saw it because it's very disney to have the merchandise right there uh anyway so that's dumbo i hope you enjoy the movie i hope you get to see it let me know how you, what you think about it magic on a dollar podcast at gmail.com and that's our show. I know we were all over the place today, after hours, and Christmas tickets, and food and wine events, uh, talking about critic carousels, and rumors, and illuminations. I hope you enjoyed that little that little Disney sound there for a few minutes or so. And of course, talking about some Euro Disney, and I've made some notes as I'm actually talking, because I, I said the words, let's do this in a later episode, a whole lot. So we're going to have a lot of episodes coming up, and a lot of topics and things to talk about. So anyway, I hope you have a magical week. Come back here on Monday. We're going to have some quotable Walt for you to set you up for your week. And don't forget to thank a Phoenician. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Magic on a Dollar, Facebook at Disney on a Dollar, and of course, magicondollar.com. See you real soon.